today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God's through with me. No, I'm not through with you. I have a plan for you, and I will not make a complete end of you. Yes, I'm, I'm chastising you, but I chastise those whom I love. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. I have to correct you in justice. It's just. It's a just correction, but I love you. And I'm not through with you. And I have a plan for you. And it's not over. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Don't despise the discipline that comes from God. Today, Pastor J.D. reveals through this message that God disciplines those whom he loves. You matter to the Lord. He has a plan for your life, and he never gives up on you. Know that you are a precious and beloved child of God. Learn from what he's teaching you in this season. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 30 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 1, Jeremiah 30. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaks the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, verse 3, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah. Hang on to that. There's a delineation and a distinction there that will come into play in a moment. My people Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Okay, this is where the dual prophecy begins. This was partially fulfilled with Judah, southern Judah, not northern Israel, because it was divided at this time. So it was fulfilled in part initially, and it was led by Ezra and Nehemiah in the year 520 BC. But here's the dual prophecy. It was ultimately fulfilled. Now you've got Israel and Judah, the northern tribes of Israel, and southern Judah, He's going to bring them back and return to the land. Do you know when that happened? Do you know the day that that happened? May 14, 1948. This prophecy that we just read was fulfilled. Now, verse 4. These are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. For thus says the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace, Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor and all faces turned pale? Now, (laughs) bear with me, I'll try to explain this. This is kind of interesting, yeah? You mean you've got a, a man that's pregnant? Of course, nowadays, I, no, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't want to go there. Mercy. 
But what Jeremiah is describing and prophesying here is the utter horror and terror at this time in the final stages of what would end up being an 18-month Babylonian invasion. Now picture in your mind the Babylonians right there at Jerusalem at the ready. This is the 11th hour, and this is the exact time that God wants Jeremiah to record this and to give this to the people, because this is the time they needed it the most. It is so bad. The fear unspeakable, the trembling unthinkable. It's so bad that the men are weeping and wailing in pain like a woman who's pregnant in labor. That's how bad it is. Now we have a saying modern day, I think it goes something like, all the blood ran out of my body or something like that when your face turns pale. Well, that's what it's talking about. It's that fear as the Babylonians are there. And think about this, I wonder if they started to realize, wow, Jeremiah was right. He's been telling us this for how many years? And now it's happening. And the fear that comes in and sets in, the trembling, it is so intense that men, these are mighty men, are in such pain that it would resemble a woman in labor and the labor pains. And it gets worse. Verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And it is the time of, here it is, Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. Now, not from it, out of it, because of it. It's the tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble that will bring about the salvation. The salvation will come out of it. You'll be saved out of it. Out of what? That great day. What great day? The tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. In other words, the horror and terror that we just had described for us in the previous verses is nothing like that great day, which is the time of Jacob's trouble, the seven-year tribulation. In fact, Jesus, sort of echoing this in Matthew 24 verse 21 says, then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world, until this time, no, nor ever shall be. That's what Jeremiah just got done prophesying and saying. Verse 8, for it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck, and will burst your bonds. Foreigners shall no more enslave them, but, verse 9, they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Now, <laughs> there is some debate about this. Is this David? 
during the millennium, the kingdom age, that 1,000 year period of time, where we rule and reign with Christ in the millennial reign, the kingdom age, on earth, by the way, in its pre-fallen state, before sin entered the world, we have that 1,000 year period, the millennial kingdom. And we're told here that David is going to reign as their king. Is it David or is it Jesus or is it both? Well, if it's both, that's wow. And let me explain the wow here. I want you to think through this with me. We're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. And it's been suggested, and the thought is, is that we are going to be given certain regions and areas that we will reign over in the millennial kingdom. This is why it is a lot of people joke about, well, I'm going to, you know, ask for and put my bid in for Hawaii. And then somebody real snarky will say, well, the islands may not still be there, to which I usually say, get thee behind me, Satan. But you get the point. We're going to be ruling and reigning. And uh, what determines what we rule and reign over will be what we did with what God called us to do in this life. If I was faithful with little, I'll be entrusted with much. To whom much has been given, much is required. So what we do now in this life will determine what we do during the millennial reign. This is why I'm putting in for Hawaii. (laughs) I kind of like it here a little bit. Can you imagine in its pre-fallen state? I don't think there's going to be any cockroaches. I don't know. I'm just saying. So where am I going with this? Think about this. Let's just say for purpose of discussion that it is both. So we're ruling and reigning with Christ, and David is ruling and reigning in Jerusalem during the millennium. Wow! That's what I mean by wow! David, no way! Way! So we're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ, and we're going to be able to, you know, swing by while we're in the neighborhood. Hey, David, how's it going? Oh man, it's going great. David, we're talking about David in the millennium. Is that weird? Because you're looking at me weird. That is so cool. I mean, ah, I was thinking about it today. I won't take too much time on it, but I, I think I need to at least mention this. I think we have no idea what is in store for us during the millennium. I mean, we talk about the rapture and eternity future, the new heavens and the new earth. I mean, the more I know and learn and read and study about the millennium, the more exciting it is to me, the more excited I get about it. It is going to be amazing. I mean, all of these great men and women of God, they're going to be assigned and given these regions, if you will, these areas to rule and reign over for 1,000 years, and we're going to be ruling and reigning with them? That's wow. Just wow. Okay, that's it. That's all I have on that. I'll just leave you with that. Have a good night's sleep. Verse 10, Therefore do not fear, O my servant Jacob, says the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel, 
For behold, I will save you from afar, and your seed from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return, have rest, and be quiet, and no one shall make him afraid, for I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you, yet I will not make a complete end of you. Hang on to that. But I will correct you in justice and will not let you go altogether unpunished. I have to. I'm a just God and I do have to correct you and discipline you, but I'm not through with you. I will not make a complete end of you. No, I'll make a complete end of them, but not you. Now why do I emphasize that? Because think about it. When you're really going through it, isn't the enemy right there? He serves it up a thousand times a day on a silver platter. Man, I think this is how it ends for you. I think God's through with you. I think you blew it so bad. I mean, I just, man, I, I don't know. And uh, you're not getting out of this one. I mean, I know God's been faithful, but not not this one. This is this is really bad. And He gets us to believe and be deceived into thinking that it's the end of me. <laughs> God's through with me. No, I'm not through with you. I have a plan for you, and I will not make a complete end of you. Yes, I'm. I'm chastising you. But I chastise those whom I love. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. I have to correct you in justice. It's just. It's a just correction. But I love you. And I'm not through with you. And I have a plan for you. And it's not over. Verse 12, for thus says the Lord, your affliction is incurable. Your wound is severe. There is no one to plead your cause that you may be bound up. You have no healing medicines. All your lovers, verse 14, have forgotten you. They do not seek you. For I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. Why do you cry about your affliction, verse 15? Your sorrow is incurable because of the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. I have done these things to you. Therefore, verse 16, all those who devour you shall be devoured, and all your adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall become plunder, and all who prey upon you I will make a prey. For I will, a lot of I wills here, verse 17, restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Because they called you an outcast saying, this is Zion, no one seeks her. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents and have mercy on his dwelling places, the city shall be built upon its own mound, and the palace shall remain according to its own plan. Then, verse 19, out of them shall proceed thanksgiving, 
and the voice of those who make merry, I will multiply them, and they shall not diminish. I will also glorify them, honor them, and they shall not be small. Their children also shall be as before, and their congregation shall be established before me, and I will punish all who oppress them. Okay, a couple thoughts here. First of all, it is important to note that all of God's I wills are not meritorious, and I'll explain what I mean by that. And by the way, the enemy does not want you to hear this, because this is how he gets a Christian and keeps a Christian down, because he gets us Again, believing it's such a deception that our relationship with God is merit-based, meritorious. In other words, God will do this if I do that. I don't see that here. No, God says, first of all, you're incurable. Uh, Didn't we just get done reading, the heart is deceitfully wicked? (laughs) You're, You're beyond hope. Forget about it. Okay, that was a little bit of New York, whatever. You're beyond hope. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. You have no idea. You're incurable. There's nothing you can do. But I can, and I will. This promise of God doing what He says I will do has nothing to do with what we do. Let me try that again. Bear with me. Our relationship with God is not predicated upon anything that we merit or earn or deserve. We do not have a merit. And aren't you glad, by the way, can you imagine if our relationship with God was meritorious? I wouldn't be standing up here right now if that were the case. And you probably wouldn't be sitting there right now if that were the case. So don't look at me all spiritual. If the relationship was meritorious, based on merit, deserved favor, that's the antithesis of mercy. It's the antithesis of grace. No, God says, I will. Yeah, but God, I don't deserve it. I know. Lord, what did I do for you to do this for me? Nothing. He didn't do anything, but I'm going to do it. Why? Because I love you. I'm not through with you. I have a plan for you. And I'm kind of liking this. I I will, a lot of I wills again, I will punish all who oppress them. Oh, cool. Can I watch? Is that bad? Can I... Can I see the list, Lord? Because I just want to make sure you got everybody, because this is Genesis 12, 1 and 2, isn't it? I will curse those who curse you. I will bless those who bless you. That's what God's saying here. Why? Because Israel was deserving of it? Absolutely not. Because Israel had merited it, earned it? Absolutely not. It's not based on anything but the goodness of God. Verse 21, their nobles shall be from among them, and their governors shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me, says the Lord? You shall be my people, and I will be your God. 
these two verses are a prophecy about Jesus, who is both king and priest, priest in the order of Melchizedek, who we studied about in our verse-by-verse study through Hebrews. He will be the ruler, the ultimate ruler, the governor over the people that will reconcile the people to God. Verse 23, Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord. Remember now, we've seen this word before. Think tornado. Very fast, very violent. The whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury, a continuing whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The fierce anger, verse 24, of the Lord will not return until He has done it, and until He has performed the intents of His heart. And then pay particular attention to this at the end of this chapter. In the latter days you will consider it. Whoa, that's pretty powerful and profound. And it's a prophecy concerning the latter days. We're in the latter days, by the way, spoiler alert, (laughs) when all of these prophecies will ultimately find their fulfillment. Have you ever heard it said, or perhaps you yourself have said, this is the most exciting time to be alive? Well, it is. Chapter 31, verse 1. How are we doing? Pretty good, huh? At the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel, when I went to give him rest. Now, this is why I wanted to do these two chapters together, because they go together. Verse 1, at the same time, picks up from chapter 30, verse 24, placing this at the same time. What time is this? This is the latter time, the latter days, in the last days. So what follows is a prophecy that will ultimately find its fulfillment at the time of the end. Verse 3, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. Please, please, please don't just go past that or read past that, because I'm not going to let you. And here's why. We have to see all that we read in a book like Jeremiah, these prophecies through the lens of God's love. It's an everlasting love. You know what an everlasting love is? (laughs) It's a love that lasts forever. I know, profound, right? But it's this other word here, loving kindness. What if I told you that the closest word in the English language that we could come up with in the translation is loving kindness, and yet it still doesn't even come close to the original meaning behind it. It is, and we're going to see this in a moment, a love that is so deep. It is an unconditional agape love that He has for us, 
and that is what draws us to Him, His love for us. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you're enjoying these teachings in the book of Jeremiah, we encourage you to continue following through this series with us and to read on your own, too. God may reveal some things to you that you'll find interesting. In Spirit and Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. He also gives prophecy updates weekly that touch on the things happening right now. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you'd like to access any of these things on our mobile app, you can do that too. Go to the Resources tab on our website. You can download from there. That's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Jeremiah. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. But until then, be thinking about what you heard today, what it meant for the people then, and what it means for you today in the here and now. Come learn what's coming up next here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth 